Soklud dies notkus, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Hungarian for many geese defeat a pig. <laughs> it's an idiomatic expression about the importance of teamwork. Ah. Everyone. Uh, maybe if they all pull together, someone will beat Red Bull. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing good. That's kind of like the Hungarian version of the like 100 ducks versus a giant horse or a giant mm-hmm. duck against a hundred horses or whatever. Um, yeah, wait a minute. I've been on this podcast before. Yeah, I like it. Geese. Geese are mean, man. Geese are like... Geese and swans are no joke. They made a whole game about it. They made a game? Oh, they did. Untitled Goose Game. You're right. A classic. Uh, one of my daughter's first ever games she saw, which really left an unfair expectation on her part for what video games were all about. <laughs> uh, also joining... Us, Rob Zachney, how are you, Rob? Uh, doing doing well. I'm thinking about that that pig versus goose fight, though, and I feel like it's not terribly surprising. But you know what? The thing is, I'm a North American here. I get Canadian geese in my head, which are just enormous. And I'm like, <laughs> well, of course, mm-hmm. a, you wouldn't even need like that many to just demolish <laughs> demolish a pig. But I understand not all geese are as mighty as the created Canadian. equally. One of those things could like pick up a pig and throw it off a cliff. Pretty much. So they're like condoms. Talks do really. with goats. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Goat Talk. If you're new to this podcast, a very <laughs> warm welcome to you. And if you're new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode. It assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go get up to speed, you can go listen to that episode 216. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access, ac- <coughs> access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month, Danny? Uh, we 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 knew that the Gran Turismo movie was coming out next month, so Rob suggested that we sort of we kind of warm up, like we get some calisthenics going. We're a bit stiff. Mm. We need to make sure that we're kind of in the right frame of mind for that type of video game uh, driving movie crossover. So of course, we decided to watch the 2014 classic, the movie that started a franchise, <laughs> Need for Speed, uh, starring Aaron Paul. Um, who else? The guy from Birdman. Michael Keaton. <laughs> the same yeah. year Birdman came out, Michael Keaton played a sort of a what did we what did we call him? It was a Joe He's Rogan the DJ Atomica stand-in. Yeah, DJ Atomica stand-in, like Joe Rogan meets uh, meets DJ Atomica, um, in a movie that's that's uh, you know it's about racing, but it's also about family, um, and and f- that'll never work. No, Is it that'll though? Never work. <laughs> Is uh, divisive divisive episode yes a movie that is maybe maybe underperforms in in like any good racetrack it has valleys and peaks and the valleys are perhaps the story the peaks are the cg-less stunts that are oh yeah uh, really make that move some of the scenes in that movie very oh i'll rewatch that uh just one more time a bull um so if you want to check out our review of need for speed only the most relevant movies 
being reviewed on the Shift F1 <laughs> Patreon feed. Thank you uh, so much as well to all of our incredible title sponsors. Aaron Collitz, Cyphus Training, Turf SES, Ar- Alex Medina, Kickaha of the Art, at Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, Ironstation.dev, TelemetryDeck.com, FTC, Drew Stewart, Baileyfoot, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, The Space of Abbas Podcast, Bunny Fiend, Sniggs, Alex Goucher, Max Faltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Romph, Irvine, Clinical, Research, Lachlan the Madden Man, and of course, Jason Kelly. Thank you all so much for continuing to be our amazing title sponsors. I am also looking forward to the break, because during the break, we usually get a little bit of a shuffle going there. Some people are like, all right, I've done my time. I'm going to back out a little bit. And then suddenly we got some new names coming in to fill those voids. Um, so yeah, we've got a couple more podcasts, this podcast, and then am I right after spa? We're into the, the break. We are. Yeah. Terrific. Rob already has some predictions about what might be happening over the summer break. Ooh. We will get to that after we have, uh, gone through the Hungarian Grand Prix, which, uh, started when well, I, I guess, yeah, started with a bang, literally. Oh my God. Uh, free oh practice one, God. three minutes in. I wonder oh if Sergio Perez is going to do my. better this weekend. I swear to God. Like, the story on everyone's lips all weekend. Christian Horn is putting his arms around Checo, saying, Don't worry about it, buddy. Daniel Ricardo's over there. He's not going to take your seat, baby. You just be a good boy and just put this. You drive your best, okay? You get out there and you drive your. <laughs> He's on his outlap, I think. And he just like, yeah, I, yeah. rookie errors it. Like he doesn't even get a it wheel a in the grass. Slick. He got, I think he dipped a wheel on the grass. He yeah, and, dipped a uh, wheel on the grass is a very diplomatic way of saying what he did, which is that he put half of the car on the grass <laughs> and then crashed it into a wall. I, you could not write it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thankfully for him, they had uh, three more practice sessions after that, um, and then qualifying, which you know we had mentioned this was coming um, in episodes prior, but we, I, I think, neglected to remind the listeners and ourselves oh, yeah. that this is happening for Hungary. Um, they have mapped now the hard, medium, and soft tires to Q1, Q2, and Q3. So that no more, like, choosing what tires you want to use for each session. Um, you are now mandated to use the the hard and Q1, medium, Q2, soft, Q3, which um, they are doing for sustainability reasons that uh, f- I, I don't quite understand. For, th- uh, for some reason, this ends up with the teams being handed 11 sets of tires as opposed to 13. Um, and as right. Martin Brundle pointed out, well, why don't we just restrict it to 11 sets anyway and let them, you know, proceed however they want um which is what but they in any used case to uh, do right is it Did we used to do like a little i remember at one stage there was a they they all chose what tires they used remember like two years ago from the sets they oh, would all oh, decide oh. Yes, to take the, certain amounts right now it, it well um prior to the used to be in to this season prior to this location right yeah yes they they decide what to get they get to do with their allocation but they are handed uh, on weekends that are not this, um, they're still all handed the same allocations. Uh, so anyway, we're trying that this weekend and 
I, I don't know, <laughs> like a sample size of one, you can't really tell, but qualifying was pretty good. Um, a fair amount of time deletions due to track limits, <laughs> uh, but pretty exciting all told, mostly because of the top four. On pole, Lewis Hamilton by Man. three thousandths of a second. Ooh. Very exciting. Yeah. Pulled it um, out. Yes. Over Max Verstappen. Surprise. Uh, saying afterward <laughs> that the car, trying to downplay it, like, listen, we uh, we we trimmed the car for the race, not for qualifying. So it's just, just so happens that we're up here. Um, Lando Norris in third, followed by Oscar Piastri, the two McLarens uh, on their, their comeback swing. Yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, overcoming some uh, some car hardship, Zhou Guan Yu, fifth place, his highest qualifying of his career. Yeah, pretty um, remarkable. Really, really a great job. Charles Leclerc in sixth, the first of the Ferraris. Then Valtteri Bottas, that's right, both Alfa Romeos in Q3, both ahead of Carlos Sainz, uh, who's <laughs> down in 11th. Um Nothing against Carlos Sainz, just the Ferrari did not hook it up. Uh, Fernando Alonso is in eighth. Um, in ninth place is Sergio Perez. At least he gets to Q3 this time uh, after, again, crashing out in FP1. Uh, and then Nico Hogeberg in 10th. The, the Hulk and the Haas continuing to show strong qualifying performance. Uh, outside the top 10, we've got Carlos Sainz in 11th and Esteban Ocon. Daniel Ricciardo on his comeback tour. He got out of Q1. We'll start the race 13th. Lance Stroll, 14th. Uh, Pierre Gasly, 15th. Alex Albon, 16th. Yuki Tsunoda is 17th. George Russell starts 18th, having gotten mired in traffic. It's that old situation where there oh, isn't man. enough space for the yeah. cars to space out before their final lap. It uh, was pretty bad, this, this one. I'm not sure if you yeah. saw it live, but it was. Um, you could see it coming a mile away because the the evolution of the track that they were all kind of holding on for that last run and he uh fell foul of the gentleman's agreement where you know everyone who's in their position they'll they'll go and there'll be no overtaking but um he left a pretty big gap and some of the other ones did too and i think a lot of people were worried that they weren't gonna get weren't gonna get their times in which we've seen a couple of times and he got overtaken i believe by at least four cars maybe a fifth uh, before he got away and so by the time he actually was able to get on the gas on the st- start finish straight he was halfway through that final corner so he just like he never had the speed going down the straight mm-hmm. his lap was gone before he even crossed the finish line uh before he even crossed the start line Started, so it was yeah. a yeah big big disappointment for him yeah he said after um the session that you know uh, a reporter asked him um you know, what about the gentleman's agreement that you don't pass other people? And he said, yeah, that, that he implied that it basically doesn't exist, that he, he would have done the same thing. So he didn't blame the other drivers. I guess the implication being that, you know, his team shouldn't have put him in that position, but you know, with 20 cars on track and seeing, like you said, Danny, that, that evolution, um, everyone's going to want to go. Right. So, you know, what, what is the solution? I don't know. I am not a, I'm not a, F1 strategist. He wasn't implying anything. He straight up said his team blew it. Like the interview was really harsh. It was uh, kind of a pencil snapping interview about like it included the line. I think you get what you deserve when you don't do things the right way. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, So he was he was hot when it came to where the team had placed him. 
I do think, though, when I looked at that and you see Hamilton start to pull away, it is kind of a big gap, and he needed to be on it. And to me, it's like, you know, was the team getting cute with uh, placement? Yeah, people are always trying to get cute with placement at the tail end of a of a qualifying like this. But also, it's kind of on the driver to not let, you know, the moment Norris is by him, he should have been on it. Like, just letting himself get swamped like that uh, wasn't great. Well, also not great. Kevin Magnuson in 19th, Logan Sargent in 20th, <clears throat> rounding out the field. <laughs> Danny, do you want to take us through the start? Yeah, so uh, uh, Verstappen had a good getaway. Who didn't have a good getaway was Zhou Guan Yu further back, but I guess we'll talk about that in a second. The, the real battle everyone's watching is Hamilton and Verstappen down to turn one. Uh, Verstappen does a great job. By the time they get down to the apex of turn one, he has gotten the inside line, which is basically going to force Hamilton to concede that position. Um, but uh, following in his wake, I guess, was Oscar Piastri, who started in fourth, um, managed to also get up past Norris, and also, by the time they're finished with turn one, pass Lewis Hamilton as well, up into second. Uh, Hamilton will later on in the lap also be swallowed up by uh, Lando Norris, who is, uh, who is speeding up with him in third. So the action in the back that happened with Zhou Guan Yu, so he basically had an anti-stall, which meant he just had a horrific start, yeah, got off the line slower than everyone else, and as he came down into the turn one braking zone, he'd already forced Gasly wide onto the grass to get an overtake move done around the outside of him on the left, but as they got down into that braking zone, uh, Zhou Guan Yu basically breaks a little bit too late, tags Danny Ricardo, who's in front of him, who subsequently tags Ocon, who's in front of him, and unfortunately for Alpine, the driver driving around the outside of him, as he is now not making the turn, was the aforementioned Pierre Gasly, who had just overtaken uh, both, um, uh, both of those drivers. Um, Ocon goes basically slightly airborne as he climbs along the rear right wheel of Gasly, uh, the two of them go off into the runoff area. Ricardo follows them, but he didn't get... It seems like his car didn't get really damaged too much in the front or the rear. Um, and he continues. Both of the Alpines continue in the race, I think. I'm not sure, actually. Maybe... maybe They kind of limp around for a little yeah. bit, but both end up pitting with terminal damage. I think Gasly came in immediately because uh, it was really badly busted up and they were giving the cut engine uh, gesture like right away. But yeah, they, they tried to keep Ocon out there and uh, it just, it, it wasn't going to go. Yeah, big shame for the two of them. So bit of a nightmare for the two of them. Also a nightmare for Zhou Yu, who had his best qualifying, as you mentioned before. Um, and also not a great start for Hamilton. And you could also argue for Landon Norris, maybe, as his teammate got the, got the best of him. But a great start from Verstappen um, on a track that does not necessarily suit these Red Bulls. Probably a good a good idea to throw it all in on the first turn while uh, while they have everyone going the same speed. I, I think I saw... Um, this was Julian Palmer's read on the, on the start that uh, Joe had. He said that it looked like a software glitch to him, that the anti-stall had kicked on, uh, that the engine had just sort of dropped it oh. when Joe goes to put in the clutch. But to Palmer, it looked like the the onboard software caused an issue that basically caused the car to, like, 
uh, flat line right before Joe is going to put in the clutch. Oh, no. You can see this the, in the onboard in the onboard video. Yeah, uh, and you can he, they pipe in his uh, radio um, message too. He he says he has a problem with the clutch before the like starting lights even oh. go on. Oh, um, and you can hear it on the onboard video and see it. The, the the rev lights start to go up, and you can hear the engine note start to go up, and then it just goes quiet. And then the lights go out, and he's like, oh, geez, like, what's happening? Oh, that's awful. Yeah. At least he got away, because that could be one of those horror situations where you get the stalled car on the ground. Right, like the third, the third or fourth car behind you can't see yes. that you're, you're stopped. They don't know why people are veering, and they just, like, go up the back of you with, you know, these things accelerate so fast. It's crazy, uh, right? The run from the back of the grid is, is pretty fast. Uh, you know, the, the other thing... I hated this race, to, to be honest. Like, I was just like nightmarishly bored. Uh, and I think a big part of it was we had an interesting grid. Yeah. This incident wipes out yeah. a lot of the interesting shuffling of the field that had happened in what was a pretty interesting qualifying. And so what is left is a lot of cars that have a really <laughs> deterministic finishing order in a, in a lot of situations. And so I, I do kind of feel like, I, I you know, I... I always feel like Hungary has a reputation for not throwing up great races, but I also feel like over the past several years, we've had more decent ones than bad ones here. But here we just had a case where a lot of the interesting variants that a, the qualifying had introduced kind of gets undone by the fact that you have this this really unfortunate multi-car incident. Uh, the other thing that really struck me is, I, you know, looking at the... Um, the sort of top down shots of the of the of the front straight dur during the during the start it looked to me like ricardo kind of crashed into the back of uh of Ocon. Ocon without too much help but man when you see ricardo's like on board yeah. what looks like a pretty gentle like just getting a little bit under his under the, under the back of him from from joe on board ricardo's car it is a violent impact that you can just see the wheel like get away from him and the car lurch. And I think it was a really vivid illustration of these cars are so heavy. You know, it does not take that big a, that big a collision to completely uh, render these things, you know, undrivable mm -hmm. for a moment. Uh, just a, a little more on um, uh, this whole incident. Uh, race fans has some quotes from Joe uh, and his team who still don't know what happened uh oh um joe <laughs> says i was holding the revs before the five lights and i just lost all the response from the throttle i started basically with zero throttle was flat on the pedal uh alfa romeo's head of trackside engineer engineering um i'm gonna go with zevi puholar uh we're still investigating what went wrong there it looks like something with the brake system strategy caused a fail safe on the engine side and now we're trying to understand how that would be triggered at that point, um, Joe was handed a five second penalty and received two points on his super license. The stewards saying, although this was a lap one incident where some leeway is given to the drivers who get caught up in the middle of a uh, number of cars. This particular incident was not one of those here. Car 24, which is Joe got off to a slow start and simply did not slow down enough when approaching the corner, resulting in an unnecessary collision. Which I this think is harsh. Uh, yeah, not as bad as Bottas two years ago when he 
took out both Red Bulls. There's something about that first turn at Hungary and taking out an entire team. It's like just the, the way that the way that <laughs> yeah. the cookie crumbles. But also to Rob's point, um, you know, we talked about that that, that year, and that year was the year that Ocon uh, won the race. And this is like almost the inversion of that, where the first corner incident did actually make for a less interesting race as a result. Yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, Valtteri all-time terrible first lap yeah like Mm. he so he has to evade the incident unfolding uh you know the 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 joe's sort of triggered here but man the rest of that lap is a nightmare he basically he just plummets i think like four cars five cars overtake team solidarity he was he was he felt bad for joe he was he was (laughs) wanted to keep him company back there it's it's brutal to watch because it was you like just imagine if you're alpha Romeo, right like this is your car's not that great, but this this track appears to whatever reason, you know, the, the heavens are smiling on you <laughs> and your car's strengths line up really well with it. You both of you guys qualify great. And this happens. And, you know, Joe, maybe this was a bit unavoidable just just because of like how compromised that that launch was. But like uh Valtteri, you know, crumbling over the course of that first lap is just demoralizing, you know. You know, it's it's fun, uh, mullet and redneck, uh, Valtteri era. Like, yeah, we 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 all love that, but man, also further evidence that this is maybe not the guy in the high pressure situation. Wow, shots fired. Uh, Ocon, for his part, uh, after he was popped up into the air and dropped to the ground, broke his seat no. on the impact. And uh, also this quote is from race fans. I just completely dropped in the car and I thought it was the rear suspension that was broken because the car was handling terribly, obviously after that much damage. But no, it was actually that the seat had broke, which changed my position. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, He was taken uh, for medical checks, but uh, I guess he was okay. Wow. Yeah, That's a new one. I've never heard that before. I wonder if that's a safety issue. Like, if you had a yeah. crash and the seat was broken? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, anything else from that first lap, Danny? Um, uh, just what I mentioned earlier about Lando later on. I think it was on turn five. It was in that little um, complex at the, the back part of uh, the, the middle of Sector 2. He got past Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton was on the radio pretty soon after that, basically apologizing to his, his wall um, mm. for the start that he had, which is... Uh, Fair enough, he got caught out. Like, obviously, Max defended hard, but you know, um, yeah, I think I think the 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 Norris overtake is the one that he'll feel particularly um smart about, I guess. Yeah, because because that Piastri move was amazing. Like, yeah. he just he read it so well. If you go and look at his onboard, like he just saw that okay, those guys are going to be over there. I'm going to take a different line and just cut this apex and. uh and yeah, just sweep around. You know, he wasn't uh, in danger. I think of passing Verstappen, but he got he got right up there. He did, and he he also managed to get the gas, you know, uh, on the floor, get his foot on the floor without losing any traction really well on like a tricky turn. Like that turn's a weird, you know, uh, first turn. Um, if you take it sharp like that, you can you know put yourself in a dodgy position, especially with the the rundown into turn two. But he 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 was perfectly positioned and almost knew exactly what he was doing like it looked like one of those 
like if this window opens if you know Verstappen defends hard on the outside against Hamilton this is what I need to do and obviously he had the benefit of seeing it all play out in front of him which Hamilton doesn't right he doesn't know what's going on behind him really um so it's a bit more of a crapshoot when you're in that uh position but yeah it was a great over and great great overtake by Verstappen as well um but he it wasn't as like he ran away into the distance here either yeah i mean the, the mclarens do kind of stick with him for a little bit um perez having gotten to q3 but still starting a fair distance away from verstappen uh starts his attack on lap 6 on alonso for 7th place at the turn 1 and 2 complex which has the interesting feature of having one drs detection point <laughs> yeah but two zones in which to deploy it. Mm. So at first he can't uh, make it happen, but two laps later after he's had a chance to recharge those batteries uh, gets by into turn one and gets the bonus of DRS in the second zone for good measure. Uh, lap 18, the front of the field starts to pit with Norris coming in from third behind his teammate Piastri, who pits on the second or the next lap and comes out behind Norris. So McLaren effectively undercuts their own driver. Yeah, that was a shame. I think, you know, I didn't I didn't follow up on this after the race, but there was definitely questions of, you know, usually the car who is the lead car has the option of whether or not they come in first or not. And I guess they didn't necessarily know. And we also, with these new tires and they've, you know, needing to get like a lap under them before they're up to speed it's not like the undercut three years ago where it was basically dead on that if you came in first that you would be able to get uh get get the jump on the person you're if you're you're hugging their their rear wing but um yeah it was a big shame i think because like that was one of the fun things was seeing piastri in a position where he was holding his own and and if he's overtaken on merit that's one thing but to be overtaken in that way i think was just a little disappointing, especially because it was like a strategy call that basically made it happen. Yeah, it was close. Um, and he said after the race that he was having, in particular, really bad tire degradation right. compared to Lando Norris, especially with the with the heat. Um, so maybe that could have been a factor. Um, and also, I think Norris just had a, a blistering outlap. I think he set the fastest lap uh, when he came out of the pits. Yes, and I mean, um, if, if Piastri's having bad deg, then he should be coming in first, right? <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Um, lap 20, Leclerc, trying to stem some of Ferrari's bleeding, uh, gets by Stroll for eighth with the help of DRS into turn two. Uh, Perez isn't making Ferrari's job any easier as he passes signs into turn one with DRS for sixth place on lap 27. And a lap later, he makes a move on Russell, who proves a little trickier to pass. Uh, but Perez does get by him down the inside of turn two. Russell trying to fight back, and I... It may have something to do with the camera angle, but I definitely like sucked in air through my teeth <laughs> as it looked like Russell just barely backed out in time to avoid uh, an accident. But uh, it sure looked like their tires were like interleaved yeah, for a second yeah. there. Yeah, it was it was way close. Uh, Perez tries to get past Hamilton on lap 42, but can't quite do it uh, and pits soon thereafter. Uh, anybody have anything in that space there? 27 to 42? nope it was nope. one of those races it was a <laughs> yeah it felt like a tire strategy race and especially with a two yeah. stopper you were kind of like holding your breath for that middle part of the race to see how it all shook out because 
there wasn't that much overtaking in those spots. We, like you said, we had an out-of-position Perez, who by that stage was kind of the last out-of-position car there was. Like, if Bottas and Zoe had been, you know, closer to where they were at the start of the race, you would have had a bit more action there. If Verstappen hadn't got the jump, maybe there'd be a bit more action there. Um, Leclerc was just having a hard one. Like, Sainz was making his way up, but Leclerc, you know was having a bit more trouble and then i think it's around this time he has the the bad pit incident right Mm -hmm. yeah lap 44 he pits from fifth uh locks up at the pit speed limit line uh drifts over it earning himself a speeding penalty of five seconds he does however undercut his teammate carlos Sainz, who rejoins behind him in eighth and now has to keep within that five second margin uh to potentially jump Leclerc after his penalty is applied. Um, Lap 47, Perez is still on his sightseeing tour through the field (laughs) and attacks Oscar Piastri around the outside of turn one. Uh, Piastri fights back by pushing Perez wide. Perez, though, gets ahead before turn two. And while Piastri does continue to fight going onto the grass, uh, he can't quite retake the place and Perez seals fourth position. That was a good battle, but you can always tell that, that it's Perez when somebody ends up on the grass a little bit, you know? <laughs> he always leaves just that little bit less than everyone else uh, in terms of, uh, you know, a car's width. Um, but he, I mean, he didn't need to. He had that turn and um, he could have... I think uh, McLaren even asked Piastri, like, did, did Perez push you off? Yeah, they <laughs> tried leading, leading the witness. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They tried. They, they did a good effort trying to make that happen, but uh, yeah, that was... It's not gonna. He happen. said something like, "Yeah, he didn't yeah, leave he me did. much space." Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lap fifty, Hamilton pits for medium tires with twenty laps to go and comes out in fifth, hoping to challenge for the podium places. And it starts out well. He gets by Piastri for fourth on lap fifty-seven into turn one with DRS. Uh, Perez, though in third, is over six seconds up the road, and despite some wishful thinking by David Croft, uh, he can't quite close that gap. Uh, Hamilton's teammate Russell, though, having started in 18th, has closed up to Carlos Sainz with five laps to go and breezes by him on yeah. the straight with DRS for second, seventh place. And uh, crucially, gets under five seconds to Leclerc, so he also inherits sixth place uh, once Leclerc's penalty was applied. And with that, Verstappen wins, setting the all-time record for the team with most wins in a row at 12 and it's hard to see red bull stopping before i don't know 25 yeah they did it it was there was a degree of inevitability around it um good to see lando on the podium again though he's getting used to it i i want to mention one other thing that happened in the race because Mm -hmm. it reminded me of a driver that i feel like we have barely talked about all year which was logan Sargent spinning Ah. sort of randomly in uh the, the slow part of Sector 2. Um, a, we, a weekend to forget for him, but a season to forget for him? It's it's not been wonderful, I feel. I'm struggling to remember any weekends where... He, he, it's tough know. when your teammate Alex Albon is really tearing it up. Yeah, he really is. It's... Uh, yeah, but even off the... I feel like I just never hear from him or see him or anything. You know what I mean? Like Logan Sargent. Beyond is, the Grid episode. Yeah, yeah, I guess I should listen to that. 
<laughs> get my <laughs> recommended daily Im- allowance of he's, he's American Sergeant. Danny you're American I guess that is technically accurate he is American and I am technically also one of those um, but uh, look he's not on the podium if you're not on the podium you can't break Max Verstappen's trophy so you know. <laughs> it's true we will get to that <laughs> uh, but yeah let's run down the field or the, uh, the, the results here Max Verstappen wins the race Lando Norris in second Second time in a row? Did he get second last time? Am I crazy? Lando? Yeah, he did. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Sergio Perez also on the podium, uh, having started ninth, doing some work to come back from his cold yeah. streak. Like, let's be honest, this was an absolute nightmare of a week, a, a roller coaster for Perez, because it couldn't have started off worse. And yeah. arguably, he did a fantastic drive. Like, I'm not sure if he got driver of the day or anything, but he probably should have, because, like, some of those overtakes were you know, kind of meaty, and he, you know, it's it's not like Verstappen was disappearing into the distance either, but Perez did manage to, you know... Yeah, and George Russell and Oscar Piastri, like, not exactly pushovers. Yeah, yeah, they were. Although Hamilton on, on Piastri to pass on. was a bit of a pushover. Hamilton getting past Piastri was was pretty well, yeah. sad to look at, I think. It was, I think yeah. Piastri was done by that that stage. Yeah, perhaps with that uh, tire dig. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Hamilton fourth, Oscar Piastri fifth, George Russell sixth. That is a Mercedes beating both Ferraris from 18th place. Wow. Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz in seventh and eighth, respectively. Uh, Fernando Alonso in ninth, Lance Stroll in 10th, Aston Martin not so much in the picture recently, Mm. uh, especially with McLaren's resurgence, uh, though perhaps things will be different at Spa. Who can say? Uh, Alex Albon, just outside the points, driving the wheels off of that Williams, having started 16th. Uh, Valtteri Bottas in 12th. Daniel Ricciardo in 13th. Not too shabby for his first time back in the Alpha Tauri. Two spots ahead of his teammate. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, 14th. Yuki Tsunoda in 15th. Joe Guanyu, 16th. Kevin Magnussen, 17th. Logan Sargent with a technical DNF. Um, had uh, that spin with a few laps to go, and they just brought him into the pits. Uh, and then not classified were the two Alpines of Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly. And that was Hungary. Are you full of Hungary? I am I am no longer Hungary. I don't know what it was, man. I think, yeah, I guess what Rob said. We had a bit of an interesting shuffle, and then and then that was it. We just and no payoff, yeah. Yeah, it didn't really didn't really pay off. I, I mean it's great seeing the McLarens up there. It's like they're, I don't know, they've taken over the Ferrari spot of third third best for the time being. I, I also worry that we had like a good run of races with mixed weather conditions. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if we're seeing the season as it truly is in a race like this. You know what I mean? We're not getting yeah. that little bit of a Bernie Eccleston sprinkler action that's sort of like <laughs> spicing it up a little bit. Well, um, we'll see about the weather when we get to Spa. Oh, boy. Maybe things will change. Uh, let's take it to the news. Rob, you've picked some choice cuts here. Ooh. Uh, about both Alpine and McLaren. Let's start with uh, Alpine. Yeah, so um, there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple things there. One is that apparently there are discussions happening uh, among the F1 like leader, leadership and team principals. Uh, regarding a measure to equalize engines. Remember, like prior to the new engines being introduced, we are in an engine freeze period. And it's sort of been, you know, it's been coming on for for a number of years. We're in a period where the teams really can't 
improve their engines. They can do some things for reliability, uh, but they're really restricted in what they can do. Uh, and Christian Horner gave an interview where he basically explained what, you know, some of, some of what's going on here uh, and, and arguing that, you know, Red Bull's going to support the move to uh, help slower teams catch up. And I, I guess the, the, the team that is at issue here is, is Alpine. Uh, there, there's a, there, there's a quote here. Uh, I'm quoting Autosports article on the, on the situation. It is understood that the move has been prompted by concerns that the Renault engine, which is used by Alpine has fallen behind rivals and could be as much as 30 horsepower down on the best. Ooh. While not confirming any figures, Alpine team principal Omar Safnauer has admitted the French manufacturer is a drift of the opposition, which is hampering its competitive fortunes. Uh, Interestingly enough, like Horner's position on, on this is is kind of we all need to get behind this because, you know, this isn't an era where the engine is supposed to be a competitive battlefront. It's not supposed to be an issue where any any team is at a disadvantage on power uh, the way it's been in other areas where like everyone designs a new engine and, who, you know, to the victor go the spoils. The entire premise for this era was that we need to keep our engine vendors in the sport. They all need to contribute enough engines for the grid, but the engine is no longer supposed to be a, a space where people are competing to build the best engine. They're supposed to basically be, performance-wise, almost interchangeable between the teams. So in the spirit of these rules, uh, to you know, to Horner, it seems pretty self-explanatory that you'd, you'd probably want to effectively uh, hamstring everybody's engines but, but Renault's. And, you know, bring the whole field down a little, rubber band the whole field back a little bit uh, to help the Renault catch up. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what the rest of the team principals decide. But it's, this is one of those moments where it's kind of putting to the test some of the cooperation that exists among the teams. Because, yeah, like this was part of the deal for this, you know, for controlling costs in the closing years of this, of this engine era. Uh, and laying the groundwork for the next one. So if Renault have got it wrong somehow, it does make a degree of sense that you kind of have to <laughs> tune everyone's engines down uh, so that <laughs> Renault's not in such, such uh, so, so that Alpine is not in such a rough situation. And I guess they're, you know, they're other cars. Well, speaking of being in a rough situation at Alpine, what are your yeah. what are your theories here, Rob? <laughs> no, look, no one's having a rougher time than this guy. It seems. Whenever look, whenever I see a headline that says Alpine F one boss, uh, F Alpine F one team boss Safnauer trusts Renault chief DeMeo to give him time, I'm like, well, that man is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and so we talked about this, I think, last week that there was a reshuffle at uh, at Alpine where there was a new head of motorsport operations placed above Safnauer and below Lorna Rossi. And at the time I was like, that just doesn't seem like a great sign, right? That, you know, a second ago you were reporting directly to the head of the company. And now here's a new guy that you report to. Not a, not a, not a stranger, not hired from, from, from elsewhere, but still like sort of slotted in above you. Uh, so here is Safnauer's gloss on this. And you can just, I'm just going to read 
Safnauer's words, and you can just tell me how, how, how you interpret this. It's a bit of a long quote, but I think there's a lot to it. You've got to remember that Lauren is, do, uh, Laurent is doing special projects now, said Safnauer, and asked by Autosport about the impact of Rossi's move. Yes, he did hire me, but Luca DeMeo also hired me, and it was Luca who ultimately sat, me, sat down with me and convinced me to join his project. And the project was that the Alpine project, with the 100-race plan, and I think we are 30-something races into that, so we still have some 60-odd races to go, and that is another three years to go to start winning. It takes time. It has taken everybody time. I know Luca is a man of his word, and he gave me his word on 100 races to start winning, <laughs> and sometimes you take a half step backwards to take two steps forward. So I have no concern that Luca will be true to his word <laughs> and give me the 100 race time that is required. He, he he wouldn't lie. He's not a liar. He's not a dirty liar. He wouldn't he wouldn't be be he wouldn't be a like a like a a dirty liar who'd go back on his word. <laughs> like, would would you, Luca? Would you? Would you? Would you, Luca? You wouldn't. You wouldn't be one of those bad liars. He's really like. He's really. I don't know. Prepping it. Prepping the. You know the the. Trying to make sure that he doesn't uh, go that way. I don't, yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's one of those. I I never know what happens. I know we're entering silly season, and this is where a lot of this stuff goes down. But. And it's been remarkably unsilly so far for the past, uh, you know, kind the of the exception of Ricardo. This whole yeah. season, yeah, I guess, yeah, well, except Ricardo. That's that's fair. Up until that, there was nothing. But uh, yeah, I do. I there's a couple of places. There's here and and if if there hadn't already been so much tumult at Ferrari prior to the season starting, I would have also maybe pointed over there a little bit. But, um. Yeah, well, I don't know. And last year, I mean, Alpine was ground zero for the silliness. Yeah. And this uh, this quote from Omar reminds me a lot of when he was sort of in denial that Piastri was just going to ghost them like that. Yeah. That I thought I thought Oscar was a man of his word. I thought, you know, <laughs> oh, I thought you're right. Like, what sport do you think you were in here? And and also like everybody's word is conditional on things can't this can't seem like there's a lot of screw-ups happening. And it seems like there's a lot of screw-ups happening. Now, you know, I am of the opinion, I've never fully gotten over this, I'm of the opinion that uh, Cyril maybe deserved a little more time yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Like, uh, to, in, a, in a lot of ways, I look at this and I'm like, have, have things, does it feel like this team has gotten on a better trajectory since Cyril was in place? Though, I've never totally understood what happened with um, Cyril and Danny. Right, like what happened with Renault and, and and Ricardo? Did Ricardo read the writing on the wall that there were gonna, there was going to be upheaval and bail, or was him leaving yeah. kind of the knife in in a bit of bull that I think I think made, that maybe made the team real made the organization realize things were things were a mess. Yeah, I I don't know, but I think you know if 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 Safnauer comes up short here, if if he gets if he gets shown the door, to a degree, the way things have unfolded, I'm not. Not entirely uh, sure that would be a that would be a bad move, but also kind of just seems like this organization might be in disarray, and uh, it might be this Luca Dumeo that you know, is kind of being put in place and empowered to see what he can do about sorting it out because the program kind of seems nowhere. Do you think that this new round of investment uh, will impact this? That like the new money coming in more. Mouths to feed the real money, not yeah. the fake Rob Reynolds and uh, yeah, yeah, Ryan exactly. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, um, and, yeah. Uh, 
I don't. Right. I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I think the way it was positioned was that they kind of like they like having these new partners uh, invested for some you know expanded operations and and branding deals, but uh, it, it didn't feel like a transformative partnership uh, in in any way. It kind of felt like just wanting some investment injection into an organization that you know, famously has always kind of been shoestring uh, for one connected to a major manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. Publicly owned. Well, speaking of cleaning up messes, the final <laughs> news item here. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, D- Danny, we forgot to hit on this in our, in our recap. In the, in the incident between uh, Lando Norris <laughs> popping a bottle of champagne... And Max, Max's first place porcelain trophy. Uh, who do you think was at fault? Because because Max said that uh, that sorry that Lando said Max just left that trophy too close to the edge, and that's why Lando ended up knocking it off. Lando was was just being like pure lad about this whole thing. He was just like being like like taking absolutely zero responsibility, sort of knowing. That he obviously, this is his fault. He like accidentally, like he went for the, there's lots of ways to open a bottle of champagne. Lando likes to go for the smack the bottom of the bottle on the table or on the podium sort of style of it. Um, it does look really cool. It does look mm-hmm. cool, but it's definitely a high risk maneuver because you can also break the bottle. I mean, it's a magnum. It's not going to, you know, explode probably or shatter, but um yeah, unsurprisingly, these weird little trophies. Max Verstappen's like probably running out of space to put all these weird things, especially after this season. Um, and uh, I think Lando did him a favor. He just smashed it so he doesn't have to bring it home, um, regardless of how expensive it probably was. Would you like to know how expensive it was? I would love to know how expensive it was, Rob. Uh, so again, coming from Autosport Quotes, a Hungarian journal, uh, who was on Twitter saying, so those trophies are made by uh, the Herendi Porcelain Manufacturer. Uh, all of these are handmade. Wow. Production time is approximately six months. And e- each of these costs approximately 40,000 euros. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, boy. Well, so this is one of the nicer F1 trophies, right? It is. Like, yeah. you know, it has actual character. It feels like it's of a place. It's, is it, uh, like, it looks like a big vase. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's cool. Um, and if if Lando ends up steering us toward a world where we're gonna get more shitty Heineken stars, uh, <laughs> then, then then damn him. Uh, but I it is it is very funny how this played out. That like he does this at the only the only circuit where there's a highly breakable trophy. Like all of these look like they could get you know a lot, a lot of them look like they're a little spindly. They could maybe be damaged, but like it's. As you said, Drew, it's a porcelain vase. There's yeah. only one, there's only one circuit that's like here. We're gonna put, we're gonna put uh, a, a forty thousand dollar piece of porcelain uh, out on a, out for a celebration with three dudes uh, running high on adrenaline, all between the ages of like twenty and and forty. So uh, it looks like it only broke. How much of it did it break? Did it shatter? It looks like only the bottom came off, maybe. Um, oh really? Because it took a header. I was surprised when I saw the video. Yeah, how bad it looked. Like I was like, oh, he probably just knocked it off, but it like plummets. It's yeah, it, it falls, but it only actually breaks the the bottom off the top. So you could. Did prop- you find a picture of like what the battle? Yeah, I was? found it here. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll send it to you yeah. guys. It's um, 
it looks like it just like took the, you know the 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 top part came off the or oh, maybe actually a chunk of one of the sides oh no actually yeah there's a couple of bits be broken on this thing <laughs> but i would also say it's a nice vase but it also just has this gaudy like formula one first place written on the side of it which looks like trash so yeah that's yeah no i mean it, it's kind of like it's it costs forty thousand euros but it's kind of like you know you can make a richard mill watch like cost whatever yeah right but like does it look it or is this just kind of a big number you attach to something? Exactly. Which is, is really a lot of what F1 sponsorship often comes down to. So I, I'm kind of with you. Like This one's got a story, nice, but right? Now, it's, it's, now, it's, now there's a story behind it. Well, so that's, yeah. That's what's kind that of stuff what, what can, I think. Yeah. It's like, that, like when... Stuff you can brush on that like is kind of golden and like can restore pottery or like put it back together. I don't, the Philosopher's Stone? I don't know. What is mustard. this? Mustard. Mustard. I think in 20 or 30 years when this trophy gets auctioned off for something, it's going to go for a lot because people will remember this story. Oh, yes. remember Lando Norris, what a great F1 driver. He like, it was one of his first few podiums and totally. he knocked over Max Verstappen's trophy and it broke and you can see it's all glued back together, but it's got history to it. Remember exactly. this? Yes, I remember that. I'm going to pay many millions of dollars for it. Exactly. Is it like that? What is the Liberty Bell? Is that what, what's the broken bell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. Would, no, that's just would people as with many things in this country, that's just a piece of shit we're stuck with because there's some <laughs> like dumb story attached to it. Yeah, the Liberty Bell, they were so excited. They were ringing the bell and it cracked because they were ringing in the Declaration of Independence. See, and... it's got a story. You break something, it's better. It's like when Banksy shredded that piece of art after someone bought it. Like, that's that's real art, man. Yeah, man. Okay, so here, but here, yes, here's what I think Red Bull should do. Kintsugi is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery but mending the areas of breakage with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. Oh. The method is similar to the maki-e technique. Uh, as a philosophy, it treats breakage and repairs part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. Uh. But yeah, I think this is one of those things where like, you put it back together, make the repairs visible, and then you display it at the Red Bull headquarters with... Like maybe like in a museum, like a button that you can press that like will play a video of when Lando fucked up that trophy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we have a one. We got another another race right around the corner. The last one of the first half of the season. Danny, introduce us to Spa. Spa, Francachamp. Welcome, friends, to the Ardennes Forest in Belgium for one of the most beloved Formula One races of this and any year. If you're new to Formula One, Spa is a special track, not only because sometimes it rains so much there we don't actually do a race but still declare a winner, um, but also because um, it's a incredibly long lap um, that, uh, that goes up and down and around and seems to sometimes have weather on one end of the track that does not exist in other parts of the track. Um, in more recent history, it is also tragically a race where we have lost two young drivers, uh, one only a matter of weeks ago, um, on the newly uh, changed first couple of turns up a hill. Um, Eau Rouge is uh, the the name that people give this a lot. Radion is actually the name of the, um, the hilly part. Eau Rouge is just like a little stream that runs underneath uh, the first part of the base of this hill um 
it's eau rouge means red water uh radion i think means a like a like a steep path um and that's the uh the area that they have reprofiled in recent years but unfortunately has still um taken the lives of some young drivers so the the jury is out on what exactly is going to happen there uh, this track though is incredibly historic it was first laid ground in 1921 so this is before there was wars happening in this part of uh europe and in this particular forest in fact uh, it was 14.9 kilometers back then um it was also part of the inaugural formula one season in 1950 it was redeveloped in 1979 and was uh you know over halved in distance to the current uh seven kilometer or 4.25 mile circuit not the exact same profile it was back then but similar to it uh due to its length we do not have that many laps around this one. It's not like Hungary. Uh, there's only 44 laps around Spa. Um, it's got a lot of long straights and a lot of fast corners. So we expect the Red Bulls to feel right at home here. And not that they didn't in Hungary in the end. Um, the weather here is obviously super interesting, not just because of the breadth of the track and how much ground it covers, but also because uh, the lower parts of the track at the back end of Sector 2 and the start of Sector 3 are essentially in a valley so you're getting a lot of relief rain as it comes over into that valley and also comes over the hill on the other side um and yeah it's just one of those tracks that if you're watching this on television for the first time you'll have a pretty good idea of it from the television because so much of the track looks uh unique um obviously Eau Rouge and Radion being the sort of most eye-catching part apparently if you go there in person that's kind of the place you want to get a seat as well so you can see them and making the drive up the hill from uh from the very tight turn one um loads of history here uh, practically every part of this track you can remember some incidents some overtaking uh hard braking um there's a chicane near the end which is always a lot of fun off camber uphill uh lots of swooping turns in sector two there's you know a sort of a more traditional tilka-esque uh right hand left hand 90 degree sort of sector at the start of sector two this track has you know 20 turns 19 turns in it and they're all interesting and unique and i think that's a large part of the reason why people like this track even if there's definitely a shadow hanging over certain parts of it in recent years yeah well said danny well um you, you had mentioned the the microclimates here and uh Boy, they seem to be out in force this weekend. Oh, uh, we do have a, this is a sprint weekend. Ooh. So we've got stuff happening all across the weekend. Friday, uh, and honestly, it's pretty similar <laughs> across the board here. Uh, Friday at uh, qualifying time, 5 p.m. local, 64 uh, degrees Fahrenheit or uh, 18 Celsius mm. Uh, wind nine miles an hour or uh, 14 kilometers an hour. And again, that's kind of consistent across the weekend, maybe picks up a little bit uh, wind speed over uh, the course of the weekend, but precipitation, the one everyone wants to hear qualifying. We've got 82%. Oh boy. Oh boy. That's sprint day. We've got 88% wow. and race day uh, 47. Okay. So also, <laughs> Beside Friday and Saturday here, I have a lightning bolt icon. Yeah, I mean, I feel like 88% might be the highest I have ever heard. Because we do this podcast on a Tuesday. So, yeah. like, it's never that nailed on. But, like, 80%, <laughs> I mean, it's going to rain. That that just means it's it's not a case of whether or not 
it's going to rain when the race is on. It means it's going yeah. to, it's going to or, be a wet track at the very least. Or that means there may as well just be a bunch of question marks. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, you know, who, it's so <laughs> tough to predict in such a, uh, a variable climate like this. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, should be interesting. Um, heading into the race, our driver standings look like this. Max Verstappen is on top with 281 points. Sergio Perez, his teammate, Holden uh, Station in second with 171. Fernando Alonso still in third place with 139. Lewis Hamilton closing fast with 133. George Russell's in fifth with 90. Carlos Sainz in sixth with 87. Charles Leclerc has 80. Lando Norris has 60. Uh, also rocketing up the, the standings. Yeah. Here. Um, Lance Stroll is in ninth with 45, Esteban Ocon in 10th with 31, then we've got Piastri with 27 in 11th, Pierre Gasly with 16, Alex Albon with 11, Nico Hulkenberg with 9, Valtteri Bottas in 15th with 5 points, Zhou Guanyu has 4, Tsunoda and Magnussen both are tied with 2, and then Logan Sargent, Daniel Ricciardo, and Nick DeVries with 0. One of, those, one of those is not going to get a point. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, Red Bull Racing is, of course, on top with 452 points. Mercedes is in second with 223. Aston Martin still in third with 184. Ferrari is in fourth with 167. And uh, McLaren is in fifth with 87. Alpine's in sixth with 47. Williams and Gene Hassan team tied with 11 points. You know. Alfa Romeo's in ninth with nine, and Alpha Tauri's got two. If you would like to join the standings yourself, you could do so uh, in our fantasy league using the link in the show notes. Uh, the top three, the podium sitters from the Hungarian Grand Prix, are in third place, highly sought after seat. <laughs> in second place, Maximum Verstappen. Yeah, love it. And number one, Censored by the FII. With asterisks. Sure. That's what it says. Why not? Uh, but overall, we have um, in third place, Oberhof Racing. In second place, Paying the Stroll Toll. <laughs> and in first place, Lotus Begin, gentlemen. Okay, sure. Got a lo- a, we got a Lotus fan there. It's a, it's a deep cut. Yeah uh all right yeah you can also send us an email shift shift f1 podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails you can also hit us up on the socials such as they are uh using the links in the show notes that's us around the internet should we take it around the world Danny? let's race around the world yeah the f1 academy is racing at everyone's favorite <gasps> Circuit Paul Ricard. Oh, God. How dare you, sir? How dare you? Oh, my God. Oh, man. There's a World Superbike Championship uh, is doing their check round at maybe my new favorite circuit name. Okay. Autodrome Most. Most. Oh, my God. Wow. There are there are auto autodromes, but none of them quite as much as that one. That sounds like a nickname other autodromes might give their friend when they're not around. Like, oh my god. Like, does it have to be the most autodrome all the time? (laughs) Just keeps droming on and on. Uh, Formula E is in London this weekend for the London E-Prix. E-Prix. 
Formula 2 and Formula 3 will be supporting Formula 1 at Spa this weekend. Man, there's a lot of Spa. There's going to be a lot. That means there's going to be six races to watch this weekend. I mean, there was last weekend, too. There was five, so it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we've got those Craftsman trucks this weekend in Richmond, Virginia at the Richmond Waste Raceway. The, Rich- the Richmond Waceway. Waste Race. What? For the Worldwide Express 250. Worldwide. Uh, yeah, maybe Pit- Pitbull's going to be there. <laughs> um, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is in Road America. Road America. Uh, at Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. What prefecture is that, Andrew? <laughs> Amer- the Red, white, and blue. Major. Uh, for the Road America 180. Sure. Uh, the Repco Supercars are in Sydney. Was that? Uh, for the, oh, <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce this sponsor. Bo, Bo, Bo Repairs? Try, is that what it is? Try doing an Aussie accent. It'll be easier, probably. Bo Repair. Bo Repair. Bo Repair. Bo Repair. <laughs> it's very difficult for me. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Speaking of things I can't pronounce, the motocross... Grand Prix of Finland is this weekend oh at Hivenkan Vahutispudisto. Oh, my God. In Hivenka, Finland. Hell yeah. We're in the land of the rise, land of the sun don't set at the moment, I bet, up That's there. Right. Yeah. We got NASCAR. Oh, yeah. Also at Ooh. Richmond, out with them trucks Ooh, yeah. for the Cookout 400. Oh, that's good. Is that just mm-hmm. sponsored by the concept of having a cookout? I think so. Nice. You just put some shrimp on the barbecue. <laughs> I think or we spent too much time together. Because I was literally about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> In the same accent. Oh, no. Uh, wait, uh, and Formula One. Formula One this weekend. Uh, it's a sprint weekend, everyone. Be Ooh. careful out there. Uh, Friday, July 28th, free practice one is the only, well, no, it's, yes, that's, that is true. The only free practice <laughs> uh, is at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, followed by qualifying uh, at 11 a.m. Uh, on ESPN2, qualifying for the race, remember. Then we've got the Sprint Shootout, which is qualifying for the Sprint uh, on Saturday, uh, July 29th at 6 a.m. on ESPN2, followed by the Sprint itself at 10.30 a.m. on ESPN2. Mm. And the race, everyone, Sunday, July 30th at 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. Cool. I like it. I like the Sprints. that we, we They've been fun. The drivers don't really know what to do yet when they're forced to get down a quality lap. You could argue that the same happened in Hungary with the tire allocation stuff where it just kind of threw them off their usual rhythm and practice even that little bit more where they had to like try and get in quality laps on the hard tires and, and figure figure out more stuff than they usually have to, um, which does seemingly tend to mix up that grid. So I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to this one between the sprint and the and the weather. The one thing I'm just worried about is that we just don't have any crashes. Is is Ugh, I know, yeah. I, which which I feel like is a specter that is now, you know, kind of unique to Spa. Maybe Jeddah is the other one where I go in with, with my teeth clenched a little bit. But yeah, Spa is definitely you know feeling that way a bit. But 
yeah, I, I, who knows? Knock on wood, but we, we this could be a fun race. It, it would be great to have a really solid race before we have the the break. I think it would be nice. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what's going on this weekend. What happened today, Danny, in history? Oh, today? Oh, you mean today, yes. but in the in past. Antiquity. Yeah. Italian. Let's start that again. Italian driver Antonio Ascari. Oh, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fucking hell, this is not a great omen. Italian driver Antonio Ascari was killed on this day in 1925 oh, while boy. leading the French Grand Prix in his Alfa Romeo P2 at the Autodrome de Monterey near Paris. Ascari left behind a... Oh, Jesus, this is grim. Why is... I should... Re- I guess I don't get to choose these, but, I, you know, trigger warning if you've children. Ascari left behind a seven-year-old son, Alberto, who also went on to become a famous Grand Prix driver and died in mysteriously similar circumstances to his father. Oh my God. I know, this is such a bummer. I'm so sorry, everyone. Both died on the 26th day of the month, aged 36, and both drove car number 26. Both had won 13 Grand Prix and both died four days after surviving previous accidents. They both left a wife and two children. I hope this next paragraph, these always come in two paragraphs. I'm hoping this next paragraph is a little bit sunnier. Bring it back, Danny. Bring yeah. it back. Okay. When Mika Hakkinen, oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> we all, Mika's okay, right? Mika's yeah. fine? Okay. Uh, stepped down from his race seat at McLaren for the sabbatical year in 2002, many speculated as to whether he would return to racing. Well, today in 2002, the Flying Finn announced to the world that he would not be returning to the cockpit. He said, I didn't want to hurt myself. I've been through so much in my career in F1, particularly in 1995, and I did achieve so much uh, that I thought that it's not worth it anymore to push your luck further. So there you go. A tale of two, I guess, two careers. Fates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, am I remembering incorrect? Was it Hakkinen who had the absolutely terrible crash where he also he almost died on the side of the track? I don't know why this is. I'm trying to remember who it was who the dock went out and and basically I, it's one. Of, it's just a like I know I know this, but it's just this blank spot. Hmm. Do you guys, Rob? Is there any? I don't know what you're talking Anything about. Anything ringing about? Uh, Adelaide, 1995. Uh, appears oh, maybe to that's be what the he... one they're talking about. Is that when he was he had that bad crash? Know. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to see. I remember. Just if you if you look up like Hockenden like scary accident, Adelaide 95 is the one where that they that they talk about. Is the one that comes up. Okay, I'll have to remember. Yeah. Apologies that I I don't remember exactly what it was, but I'm. Because, yeah, I always get... Who's the other Finnish driver from that era that I'm trying... That I always... There's one of them I always get mixed up with Mika. I don't know why. Kimi right now. Oh, no. yeah. No, no, no. At, Kim- at, at LA 95, they had to do, to do a trach. Yes, that's uh, that's it. Side. That's the answer. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a really serious... Yeah, yeah. It's one of the sort of... Um, I feel like it was the... If I'm remembering correctly, it was like the one post-Senna accident that was like very, 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 very serious. Yeah, um, launched into barriers at 200 uh, kilometers, and yeah, just a just a full bore accident. Yeah, yeah. so I guess that's why that's that's what he was referring to there. Yeah, I thought I remembered. I couldn't exactly. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, so you know, hey, we got to end this podcast. We do. Yeah, I know. Especially <laughs> it's too heavy. Yeah, especially with Spot going up. I feel like I don't like don't like tempting fate. Um, yeah, hopefully it's a fun race and we we you know everyone gets around okay. I I, I think if nothing else, everyone has their 
you know, for better or for worse, I guess everyone has their uh, their eyes sort of, you know, with Jeddah as well. People are maybe a, a little bit more cautious um, at the top of that hill than they were a couple of years back. Well, uh, as we uh, look forward to Spa then, Danny, why don't you uh, give us some final thoughts here and maybe, I don't know, talk about Need for Speed. That's going to be fun. <laughs> if, you, if you're a patron out there, listen to our Need for Speed episode. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, literally the first uh, 20 minutes of that is about a fiery death. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, like most of these movies, I feel like you have to establish, like having driving movies that's basically what they're about, which is fair. You know, they're they're about. Okay, look, the fiery death in Need for Speed is kind of funny. It's awesome. That's the thing. Like, you're it's it's a hell of a stunt, and also it is the most like, hey, the char- the movie is very clear about like one of these characters is going to die yeah. soon. So you know, you kind of know what's going to happen to him. You know, pretty early. But yeah, the stunts in that car- in that racer are pretty badass. Um, yeah. As for this weekend, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's such a beautiful track. Um. The, the drivers really love it. It's, uh, you know, I, I always like watching the um, lower formulas on this track too. Um, Hungary was an interesting race for Formula 2 and Formula 3, but you tend to get loads of overtaking at Spa because in those lower formulas, just because the straights are so long and they can draft up behind each other and you get a lot of these like three wide on the Kemmel straight kind of situations um, as well. So, uh yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I, I do wonder if we might, if there's that much rain going on, um, we could have a red flag. We could have a safety car start situation. We haven't had one of those in a while. Um, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. But uh, yeah, it, it feels like a lot could happen this weekend. Um, hopefully we get some good racing out of it, if nothing else. Yeah, uh, final thoughts, Rob? Yeah, I don't know what to expect from this race. The thing is, as much as I love Spa, and I love Spa to pieces, I, I think it's a you know one of the last uh, tracks of its era and kind. Um, the race has kind of sucked for like two or three years running. Yeah, and yeah. it like there there's something about it. It, it feels like just in this era, uh, the race has not generated much interesting competition. Who knows what was it? Twenty one where it got rained out. Yeah. Uh, you know, where that might have been an interesting race, but it just didn't it just didn't unfold because they couldn't get, you know, ahead of the weather situation. But something about the race and this and, and the current like spec of the cars and the competitive balance is just not generated uh, a lot of interesting racing in F1. Uh, at least that's not been true of like sports cars uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is sort of a signature race for F1 and, and, and yet has also been kind of a dull procession uh, at, a, at a track that, you know, really has a reputation for generating a lot of uh, iconic moments. So I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious how this race, this race unfolds. And also I'm very curious of if they start getting mixed conditions or like heavier rain, how are they going to handle it? Because, I think at this point they have to be terrified. Yeah. Of like they're they're due to recent history, they're damned if they do and they da- they're damned if they don't. Nobody wants twenty twenty one again True. where they just don't race and they're just stuck there uh in a permanent hold for for the weather, uh, and they can't they can't clear the track. But at the same time, like Remember, even without an incident happening uh, in 22, I think, you know, you had Norris stuck there uh, at the start of the Camel Strait, and I think Vettel 
you know, was was on the radio talking about just how egregiously unsafe the mm. the situation was to be to be out there in those conditions. Uh, so you know, everyone gets very edgy ar- around this track, um, and you know, they they they're they're going to want to make sure that they can race safely as they, as they should, uh, but. You know, things have kind of conspired against Spa in a few ways, and the fact that it is such a rainy track and just the Spa feels like the tip of the spear for, you know, how F1 tires are producing spray and how rain patterns have shifted uh, with climate change. That there's a lot of there's a lot of elements now mm. in play at Spa uh, that make it a really challenging race to put on. I hope we get a I hope we get a great one. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a monstrously boring, you know, hurry up and wait type race. Well, we'll just have to see. Uh, if you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.